Hey guys, spoilers ahead. This is the third episode of Breakdown from the Couch. I'm Laura. And I'm Nikki. And we are the two hostess with the mostest yes. of Breakdown from the Couch. We break down some of the best and worst movies found on streaming services. Yep. And this week we are breaking down the fifth element. Yes, ma'am. So the summary for the fifth element. First off, I found this movie on Google Play and Amazon available for rent. Yep. Uh, this movie is about a New York cab driver, Corbin Dallas. Didn't mean to be a hero, but he just picked up the kind of fare that day that only comes along every 5,000 years. A perfect beauty, a perfect being, a perfect weapon. Together, they must save the world. Uh, Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich and Gary Oldman star and acclaimed director Luke Bissons. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know he's French. Outrageous sci-fi adventure, an extravagantly styled tale of good against evil, set in an unbelievable 23rd century world. Now fully remastered in 4K, experience this dynamic action favorite like never before. Eh. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not, but that's okay. So, Laura, if you can't tell, was not a big fan of the movie this week. I was not. Um, something I, I want to let the listeners know about me is sci-fi is is definitely my least favorite genre anyway to begin with. Yeah, and you've never been really fond of fantasy, sci-fi, any of that stuff. Yeah, and the reason why is, you know, I know, like, movies are gener generally fake anyway, but, <laughs> I mean, I just, I have a hard time relating to sci-fi fantasy versus some of the other genres. And that's, that's why we make such good pals, because... Some of the stuff you absolutely love, I think, was garbage. That's I mean, let's true. be real. Episode one. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> there are worse <laughs> films, but there are much better films. Yeah. So, I can accept that this was not your cup of tea. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so, first impressions. We kind of have yours. Yeah. Uh, mine was when I was... Oh, Lord. Well, this came out in 97. Just to 97. So, we were like 12. Yeah. I thought this was the coolest thing. Of course. It was just the way it was shot, the way it was filmed. No one had really put something together like this before. At least not in a way that a 12-year-old me could watch it. Because, like, Blade Runner, not a kid's movie. Oh, that's true. Um, watching it back as an adult, <laughs> it is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, but it's, like, in the best way. I guess. <laughs> So, I mean, in this movie, it's really clear-cut. There's no gray area. You're either a good guy or you're a bad guy. Right. I mentioned this earlier. The whole time I was watching this movie as an adult, I felt like I was watching that sci-fi series Face-Off where the makeup <laughs> artists come up with all the different looks and aliens and creatures. I mean, I will say, like, that part I did think was actually pretty cool. The costume and the I mean, set for, design. Yeah, for 97, I can see, you know, how people at the time especially was, you know, were pretty yeah. excited about all of, you know, the different... Uh, features and things like that. Right, because back then, I don't think a lot of people were still messing with CGI. That's true. It was still kind of that budding sort of entertainment science. Most people weren't messing with the computerized stuff yet. Right. I mean, that was, yeah, 21 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, so shall we jump right into the movie? Yeah, let's do it. You sound so excited. I do. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Okay, so the movie starts off in the pyramids. Yes. Well, can I can I uh, mention first because I think it happened before the start. What's that? Was the credits that that I happened? Didn't... Yeah, that happened before the, the pyramid. Okay, so what was in the credits? Luke Perry was in the credits. Oh, that's right. I wrote down Luke Perry. WTF? Right. <laughs> um, did not know he was in that movie. Right. And sorry, but he dies within like the first ten minutes. 
It's almost like Scream, where they kill off the most popular right. actress on the whole franchise first. Well, and I think what it was, was this was still when Beverly Hills 902 was very popular. Right. And so I think, even though, like, there were other actors that had, you know, like, the Just actor... As, yeah. Yeah, like, the actor that played the president had way more lines than Luke Perry did. Right. And yet... You know, I don't think he got like a credit or whatever at the beginning. Like I don't Luke think Perry so either. Did. And so but I, I mean, think it's one of those things. Hey, Luke Perry was in our movie, and suddenly you've got a whole right. slew of people that would have never watched this movie watching it for right. Luke Perry. And like I said, I think it was just because he was in Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two and Zero, which yeah. is you know huge at the time. So anyway, okay. Carry so on. sorry, Luke. No, no, you are good. Luke Perry surprise yeah. edition. I'd forgotten that he was in this because you're right. <laughs> his role is so small. Yeah. I mean, the old doctor guy's like wiping off hieroglyphics, and he's like Aziz Light. Yeah, that was funny. And the <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, are you getting this? And Luke Perry's character's like, yes, I'm drawing all of it. And he's like doodling a sailboat. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. He didn't care. Um, but basically, you find out these aliens have left this weapon on Earth that's supposed to be able to save the universe, and they came back for it. And one of the aliens died in the little temple thing, mm-hmm. and he left the key with a monk. And also, these monsters, I have them, they look like beetles with spikes. And, and turtles. <laughs> turtles. And they look like star, like all of like the monsters in, in this movie mm-hmm. look like Star Wars rejects to me. Yeah. They I do. mean, I can't... I can't disagree with you because they do which is kind of funny because obviously star wars was like back in the 70s and this was in like the late 90s so you would have thought they would have came a little bit further here's what occurred to me you see these big aliens that are supposed to be like the the top of the food chain right aliens but they waddle like penguins yes they probably weigh like 600 pounds (laughs) and they're not very fast no so how did you live long enough to be the top of the food chain? That's true. That is true. <laughs> like, what are we not seeing about you that means that me- basically means you made it when the apes didn't? You well, know what I mean? And not only that, but like you were saying, like they were so slow. Like if the if the monster had been able to like move faster, he wouldn't he wouldn't have died. Have died. Yeah. yeah. And it was almost like he gave up though, to be honest, because he kind of he was kind of like, He's like I'm coming. Yeah, I'm coming. And then he like sticks his hand through with like the key. Uh, and it looks like finger. a key. Yeah. yeah. And so, and then he gets crushed. It's like, bitch, if you had moved a little faster, you probably right? really wouldn't have been crushed. I'm just hustle. Yeah, add some hustle to yeah. your hustle, and knees, you would have been fine. Knees to chest, okay? <laughs> knees. To You're never chest. gonna let me live that. I'm down. never gonna. Let All me right, live that down. that's a story for another podcast. Right. Right. So you see the monk and he's like swearing at the first off the other guys in the spaceship just straight up leave this dude behind. Anyway, so the spaceship takes off and you see the monk that has the key telling them that he'll pass the knowledge on. Mm -hmm. And then we jump straight to the year 2263 and you find out there's an evil flying planet, like little ball of fire. Right. You find out that it has the, the turtle looking aliens. They're coming back to earth because they're going to deliver the perfect being. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, in that first temple scene, they kind of set up the entire movie for you. Yeah. So anyway, so this is where they're bringing that purple, perfect being back to Earth. Uh, the glowy ball of death planet, <laughs> which is what I'm going to be calling it this entire podcast, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, ends up destroying the ship. And then the, like, the guys on Earth were waiting for these guys to show up. Well, like, the presents all freaking out, too, man. Right. So when the glowy ball of death kills the spaceship, well, the scientists get a hand 
But see, the thing of it is, though, is I like whenever the uh, spaceship is trying to destroy the planet and it starts shooting off like the missiles and stuff into it and it's not doing anything. Right. And so it's like the planet, it almost looks like it's exploding, but you see like a skull. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, I did. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like you were saying. So the evil glowing planet fights back. Yeah. And it fights dirty. Oh, yeah. Um, so out of the wreckage, they find a hand from one of the turtle, I cannot talk today, turtle looking aliens. Right. And they basically 3D print themselves. Yeah. Lilu. Exactly. <laughs> this movie, I get that it was 97 and things were a little different. Mm-hmm. If you tell an actress, hey, you're going to walk around with some strips of fabric yes. around your tits. No. Not the Me only, Too movement would kill that costume. Not only that, I just saw that and I'm like, it makes my nipples hurt. Right? All I could think there of is chafing. Cha- yeah, exactly. <laughs> there is chafing in those ribbons. Now, have we met Bruce Willis yet? No, not yet. We're about to. Okay. So she's Lilu's printed and she busts out of a little thermos thing that they made her in. Well, no, we did still, we still met Bruce Willis. He was in his apartment. This was before he was driving the cab. Remember? I thought Lilu gets loose and then it jumps to like she runs away and it jumps to him and it kind of introduces him and he gets in his cab. Oh, it probably does. Something like that. Yeah. We're, it, it happens pretty sequentially. It's it's right. pretty close in there. Um so yeah, she busts out, she runs away, and then we get to see Corbin. And the first thing I wrote is, hey, guys, remember when Bruce had hair? <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> and not only that, I feel bad because he had hair, but he had horrible blonde hair in this one. Yeah, I mean, it kind of went along with the rest of the movie. It was either. I know, but. Like, well, I actually, we'll, we'll get to my comment a little yeah. bit later. But, yeah, so you find out he is former special ops type thing. Right. Um, they're He's... trying to get him to come back. He's like, no, his mother's horrible. He, he uh, is divorced. <laughs> His He's wife divorced. Him. Mm-hmm. He's got a really cute cat. He does have a really cute cat, but it's a little cross-eyed. Did you notice yeah, that in that did. one scene? It's a little derpy. Yeah. But it was cute. So he's got a derp cat, but she was pretty she and was. she was adorable. Um, so from there, he's like, Yeah, I've got like 50 points left on my license. And when he gets in his cab to go to work, he's only he's got, got five. five. So he's a liar. Yeah. But anyway, and then eventually Lilu falls through the roof of his cab. Literally. Exactly. Which Watching this movie made me realize because, like, movies like this and, like, Back to the Future 2 that have, mm-hmm. you know, cars that are, you know, flying and stuff like that. I hope that never does happen because could you imagine the accidents in, oh my God. you know, in flight that would happen? It's bad enough how they happen now. Could you imagine being up in the air? And- Traffic around the holiday season? Because right now, because it's January when this posts, but it is not January while we're recording. Right, it's December. I'm on the road all day. I drive to see my clients. I go to different appointments, which makes me sound like a hooker, but that's not what yeah, I am. No, she's not. Or a drug dealer. Yeah. I'm um, something <laughs> super mundane, and I'm not going to tell you what it is because right. I don't need any creepers myself. That's true. But um, I drive, I'm on the highway all day, and it's like ever since Turkey Day ended, yep. every asshole with a truck thinks that he can get in front of me and brake check me. Oh, of course. It's awful right now. 
So let's jump to next. So basically, the police are chasing Corbin Dallas around yeah. because he's got this chick that fell through the roof of his car. Well, and she fell through the roof of the car and she starts speaking in like this unknown language. Yeah, which I thought was kind of nifty. Yeah. But... Like it makes sense that she wouldn't automatically speak English. Well, of course. It is still kind of a stretch that she sees a sad child with please help on a magazine and suddenly speaks English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was always a bit of a stretch for me. I always thought that was just a little ridiculous. Right. But like I said, this whole movie is ridiculous in the best way. So, so she, they escape because he's like, screw it. I don't like the cops anyway. And apparently doesn't need to eat. So he doesn't need his job. <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> and he ends up escaping the police and he takes Lilu to Cornelius. Yeah. Now from there, it's going to cut to Gary Oldman's character. Right. Dude is a genius. He's a chameleon. Oh yeah, for sure. He's... I never recognize him in any of the movies he's in. Yeah. Does that true. make sense? No, that is true. He's almost like Daniel Day-Lewis that way. He doesn't right. look the same in any role he takes. That's true. So you find out that his name is Zorg, and he is dealing weapons in return for the stones. The stones. Now, Which kind of gave me an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom type vibe. Right? Sort of. Yes. But I thought the Indiana Jones was better. I'm just going to say it. Well, it is. I it mean, is. let's be real. But, but today we're talking about the fifth element. I know. <laughs> I know. So this movie for you was basically echoes of better movies. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. Uh, you find out Gary Oldman's character is one of the evil villains. Right. He is like weapons trading with these really dumb bullfrog bulldog looking aliens yeah this is where the first echoes of face off really occur to me right right um and it's it's just awesome because their lips move their eyes move like yeah. you know there's some dude sitting inside this big helmet that's just talking <laughs> for him right so it was really cool they have right so these aliens are the ones that really helped to destroy the turtle looking alien spaceship because they were trying to get to these magic magic rocks basically right and they bring the case to Zorg, who is Gary Oldman's character, mm -hmm. uh, who has like a reverse Phantom of the Opera mask going, but it's like for the top of his head. Yeah, I, I didn't get it. That was just one of the weirder parts of this. But it turns out the case is empty. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So he's like sending security all over the place. And he actually sends his security guys who are in biker shorts and blue skull caps. <laughs> right. To get Cornelius. Yes. Uh, they talk and dude starts choking on a cherry, hit all of his little robots, all of his little pets, the al the little alien looking thing. Did you see that on the desk? Yeah. Uh, no one can save him. So Cornelius like slaps him on the back really hard and he spits the cherry out. Yeah. And basically all of your robots can't do shit for you. Right. When you're dying. Was this the same scene where Gary Oldman pushes off that, uh, the glass and it shatters? Yes. Okay. I kind of wonder if whoever invented the Roomba was watching The Fifth Element <laughs> and was like, you know, because I don't know where those that robots. That would be pretty nifty. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if like a vacuum like robot type thing would just come by and like suck up all that stuff? We should totally Google when Roomba was actually invented right? versus when it was made available to the common people. We should. Okay. Okay. What's up? So. Um, Nikki Googled it because that's what I do. That is what you do. The first Ruma was introduced in 2002. I'm just saying they watched it. It might have been. Yeah. It was like, you know what? This could work. 
Yes. That's you could I'm make going. a mint. Yeah. I'm going to go with that's how the Roomba was invented. That's how the Roomba was born. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Okay. So, choked on the cherry, goes in about all of his war profiteering in that scene. Right. And then we go back to the evil glowy ball of death who is still killing stuff. Yeah. So, from there, it jumps to Corbin. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Everybody is wanting Corp. He basically takes her to Cornelius, drops Lilu off. Right. We go to but this. Yeah. The scene that I thought was interesting was he drops her off and stuff like that. And, and he, like, doesn't want to leave all of a sudden. He doesn't want to leave. And then he actually leans over and kisses her. Yeah. And she pulls a gun on him. She's like, uh-uh. <laughs> right. <laughs> this thermal bandages is bullshit enough. Exactly. She's like, I'm not taking that crap. Right. And so at that point, he's trying to diffuse the situation. He is trying to mm-hmm. introduce himself, you know, give a, you know, my name's Corbin Dallas. Right. What's your name? And, of course, she gives some long-ass name. With more syllables in the alphabet. Yeah. And then at that point, he's like, do you have, you know, a shorter name? And then that's when she tells him that, you know, her name's Lilu. Yeah. Right. Um, So that had happened a little while ago. He ends up basically, Cornelius and the little younger monk dude kick him out, which also... What's with the weird freaking skull caps? Yeah, I I didn't know if that was like supposed on purpose. <laughs> well, no, like I kind of wonder if that was um, supposed to be like an updated version of like a yarmulke. But they're not Jewish. Well, I guess that's true. Okay, I don't know. That's kind of what the first thing I thought of was. It kind of right. looked like a messed up version of a yarmulke. Yeah. Um. Okay. So they kicked him out. Then we go see all the Zorg scene, and now we're back at Corbin. Mm-hmm. He's having dinner at what you think is a restaurant. Turns out it's just a floating food truck, which is awesome. I know. <laughs> it's like I want. I thought eat. that was amazing. I know. It's like I I am against flying cars, but at the same time, I think that would be kind. I'd of be cool. okay with a flying food truck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would too. And it was cool because it was like it was a flying food truck, but it looked like a boat because right. I think it was because it was stereotypically racist it really was of a chinese man that's true and which was not cool that part wasn't the flying food truck was cool yeah. but the racist not so much right and then that's whenever um he gets uh some mail i love the way they set that up where yeah. he's like well first you know i get my mail my wife left me and then i got fired or no no that's what the first piece of mail was was that he got fired but he wouldn't open it so he's like well i bet first you I- yeah, yeah, I bet you lunch. This is more bad news. The guy's like, no, it's going to be great. And he's all excited, and he opens it for Corbin. He's like, you're fired. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. And so at that point, the guy is cool and actually gives him the free. He gives him that lunch for free, and I think he right. gives him, like, another sandwich or something. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I love that scene. That's one of the scenes that just makes this movie for me. Um, and then you all of a sudden you find out everybody is going to Flossen paradise yeah which sounds horrible by the way it does and they keep saying this this place's name over and over and over and it's like it's not a real place dude we get that you came up with the name chill yeah exactly (laughs) it's like is it like a combination of like florida and uh i don't know some other country i don't know but when they you know eventually when they get there it's like it almost looks like hawaiians right like right. the Simone, like you're getting off a plane yeah. in hawaii so i think that's kind of what they're trying to push yeah. to it but basically you find out they have rigged the government the president's generals and stuff rigged the contest yeah so that corbin would win so they could send corbin, Corbin and his like, plus one 
where they need to go to get the stones. Well, and I like how he found out about it. His mom called bitching at him. Right. Like, oh, you know, you never call me. You never talk to me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, hey, are you going to take me on this, you know, vacation with you? And he's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) If I would have won a vacation, somebody would have notified me. Yeah, and she's like, well, it was all over, you know, the The radio. radio. Which, okay, let's be real. In that year, you think there was really going to be a radio? Do we still have radio now? Uh, I never listened. We do. We because do. It's FM. We do have, we've got satellite radio and stuff. We've now, got satellite, but... and the FM radio does still exist. Does. I never listen to the radio anymore. I'm yeah. gonna be honest, guys. I like have my song list in my phone, and I right. Bluetooth it through my car. Exactly. Um, but it kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, in that year. Would they still Would have? They? Yeah. It's almost, but see, as you're going through the movie, it's almost more like a live podcast with a screaming Chris Tucker. Oh, God. Through the yeah, movie. we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Shit. Uh, so the general dude walks in. He's like, this woman, and she's like the size of a brick shit house. She is built. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's going to pose as your wife. And so Bruce Willis Corbin is like, oh, no. 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 <laughs> no. Uh, and then who knocks on the door? Oh, Lilu and, and uh, Cornelius yeah, and the kid. Yeah, I know. I don't even remember the kid's name. I just call him that. I don't know either. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, he's not that important. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so, so they, they show are. up. He so. shoves the soldiers into his freezer. Which I thought was actually kind of cool because it was like the freezer, but then at the same time, like he would push a button and it would, it would show like lift. It would lift it would... up and it would show like a sink area. Yeah, and then it went like the other way, and you had like your shower yeah. stall. That it's was cool. like that the was cool. coolest tiny house ever. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because it was probably what about eight foot by about three feet in the middle is yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. So it's like. I mean, it's the coolest tiny house ever. Right. I mean, we'll never live to 2000. Oh, God, no, I can't. I can't. No. Yeah, because we'd be long dead by then. Right. um, (laughs) Hopefully in the future, they'll have some some kind of cool stuff like that, though. Right. That would be cool. Um, So he lets Lilu and the Cornelius in, and they're trying to steal his tickets from him. Right. Because they're the ones who want to go get the stones. Exactly. Because they're trying to save the universe. Yes. No pressure. Right. So... Then I think what, like, cops come banging on his door because yeah. his neighbor, the tweaker, is like, yep. uh, someone put hit Corbin's business card on his neighbor's door. I thought it was Lilu because Lilu I thought, picked it up and realized, like, oh, Dallas Corbin, and then I think she stuck it. I don't think it was her. Okay. I thought it looked like a dude's hand. Okay. Um, but basically, yeah, they put his little business card on the door of his right. tweaker neighbor, who ends up getting busted by the cops. Right. And they and think gives, that they have Dallas Corbin because of right. what was on the door. So it's right. like, oh, we got him. You know, like, they literally bagged But the they're guy. there because his cab, like, ran off with the chick and right. caused all this other damage. Exactly. So they're dragging him away because of that. Right. Um, and at that point, they also hid, they hid Lilu. In the shower. In the shower. And Cornelius on the bed. Which, for some reason, saran, like, it literally saran wrapped him. That's just gross, though. Yeah. Because I don't care how, like, <laughs> recently you've cleaned your sheets. Right. You don't saran wrap your grossness yeah. onto your sheets. You exactly. got to let that shit breathe. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I didn't get that. So anyway, so at that point, you know, uh, Corbin or whatever realizes, like, uh, with uh, Lilu, like, oh, shit. Like, she's in the, she's sh- in, you know, in the shower. Uh, and she comes Auto wash. 
Yeah. Is what it was. Exactly. So he gets her out and hands her a towel. And by the way, she's stripped like three or four times already in this movie. Mila is very, very secure in her body. She Far is. more than I am. Right? And so, <laughs> but I, I thought it was kind of funny how anytime she would strip, the guys would turn away and stuff right? like that. And she's got that outfit. Who where said chivalry is dead? That's right. <laughs> in 2000. 1997 whatever it was right but um i just thought it was funny though because yeah she's like drying off and yeah she takes the top off and like rings it out rings it it out on and she puts puts it back on and then she's also got like those weird um i don't know if they're like useless suspenders yeah they almost look like they're hard plastic which again hurts my nip and see here's the thing if you're soaking wet and you're putting like that yeah. plastic on that's just not going to be comfortable and no. that's going to smell like the, you're you're bumming me out in 1997 yeah. like think yeah. you know what I, mean? I know right <laughs> exactly but anyway so they are off they are going to go save the world they well, knocked yeah. corbin out and took his tickets and cornelius and lelu are off to the ship and then eventually corbin he wakes up and then realizes yeah. like oh shit i left those soldiers in the freezer yeah, he opens the freezer and, you know, what is it? He plucks it out, something out of their hands, I think, like the mission report or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I'll take the mission. And then he just shuts the door and leaves. Oh, they were probably dead anyway. No, because the dude that was oh, like, you're going to take yeah. this mission, he goes back to the president. That's right. Remember? Um, so how did he get out then? <laughs> luck? I don't know. <laughs> I, guess they, I guess we weren't supposed to think Hollywood? about that. Yeah. Um, so... Then we get there. This movie is like up like the first half of this movie, the first act, it's like cluster after cluster of everybody making the bad decisions at the same time. Right. Before it actually moves into the rest of the film. Yeah. So we had everybody trying to get the tickets, and then we've got, you know, everybody trying to get to Lelou. And now everyone's trying to get on the ship. Exactly. So, so all right. So first of all, Cornelius is telling the kid because, like I said, I can't remember what the hell that guy's name is. He's like, okay, so you let's call him Young Monk because that's kind of what I guess he is. Okay, so Young Monk is going to pretend to be Lilu's husband. He's going to pretend to be, you know, uh, Dallas or Corbin Dallas. I mean, yeah. So she ends up having a multi pass, and she's excited because it's a multi. It's a a multi pass, (laughs) and at this point, she's speaking. I love how she. I know. The actress has an actual different accent. I right. can't remember where she's, she's from. She's from Ukraine. Okay, yeah. so she already has a bit of an accent. Right. And then she's applying that and putting a little bit of a twist on it. Yeah. So she sounds like she's foreign. Right. Well, and I have interesting an interesting fact about the language that she was speaking like previously. Yeah. I've got an interesting fact about that. Drop it. Later. We might as well. All right, well... Um, so the divine language spoken by Lilu was invented by co-writer and director Luke Basson and further refined by Mila. I found out her last name is actually pronounced Jovovich. Jovovich. I was close. Yeah. No, you weren't. <laughs> I really wasn't. But I no. love her as an actress. I just I can't do. say her name for shit. Right. Who had little trouble learning and developing it as she was already fluent in four languages. Oh, wow. I didn't um, know that. Yeah. The language had only 400 uh, words. He and Mila uh, Jovovich held conversations and wrote letters to each other in the language as practice. By the end of filming, they were able to have full conversations in this language. 
That's almost like what you hear about the twin language right. type thing. That's pretty cool. Well, and later I do have some interesting facts actually about Mila and Luke Basson. Okay. So I'll drop that later. Yeah. So Corbin Dallas shows up, taps the young monk on the shoulder. He's like, hey, thanks for holding my place. Now leave. Yeah. And so he runs back to Cornelius, tells him what happened. Cornelius then is drinking, by the way, which was kind of funny. Yeah. He's like half popped <laughs> when the kid sits down. Right. Sobers up instantly when he realizes everything's gone to hell. Yep. They run to find a way to stow away onto the ship. Then you've got these two... This is where I start seeing echoes of the Hunger Games because everybody is dressing like the citizens of the capital. Do you know what I mean? Right. So we've got these two that walk up. They're like, you know, Corbin Dallas, we're here to go wherever we're going. Yeah. And the lady is like, oh, Corbin Dallas has already checked in. And then you realize it's one of the bullfrog looking aliens. Right. They're like masquerading. Yep. And then... There's you also see him switching in and out too. Yeah, like He's, he couldn't quite hold the human face. Right. And so at that point they just start shooting at people. Yeah. After she realizes she runs it and realizes it says like dangerous. Yeah, because it like I guess does the TSA's job. <laughs> right. And like does the big scan and it yeah. shows that it's actually this bullfrog alien right. and it's dangerous. So they do the whole shoot up, those guys end up dead and uh, it gives Cornelius the distraction he needs to get to where he can stow away on the ship. Right. So Cornelius is stowed away, and Corbin and Lilu are on the ship. Uh, the bullfrog aliens have basically been killed off. And then we see we see Zorg's guy try to get Yeah, him. and he walks up. He's like, I'm, you know, Corbin Dallas. And she's like, um, no, no, thank you. Goodbye. And she, yeah. like, sinks into the fucking floor <laughs> like every customer service person mm-hmm, probably wants you to. see at the airport that's all they want to do because they don't yeah. they're Which I, I get people. it man like in her case yeah it's like you know stop messing with me okay i've had a day yeah there's been gunshots going off people saying they were you know dallas corbin or corbin dallas right. or whatever the hell his name is everyone's I'm turning up it. trying to win the contest tickets yeah so and she's so, basically like no thank you bye-bye and yeah. she sinks into the floor and goes away so of course he has to call and report this to Zora. Like, Which he does, and then Zorg, what, pushes a button and blows this guy up? Yeah. Poor guy. I know. I kind of felt <laughs> bad for him. So but anyway. justice is done later. Yes. Okay. Okay, so yeah. So now we're on the plane, and we get introduced to Chris Tucker's character, who okay. I hate. I gotta give him props. He got some hips to him. He does. <laughs> but I was, I'm always kind of confused by his character, because they have him dressed up almost... Like cross dressing, right? But it's a straight character, exactly. In a dress, yeah, with a microphone, and he ends up banging. And you know. that first ha- hairstyle he has that right. he's running. Let's be real; it's kind of phallic. Yeah, it is. So, which kind of makes me wonder if it has to do because he ends up banging the stewardess, right, or whatever on the plane. Yeah, which I hate that scene. during takeoff. Yeah, it's like a oh, you know, the plane's about to take off. You see the crew. It yeah. looks like they're smoking some dubs or something like that. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yep. So you see them. They're trying to get ready. He's starting to do stuff with her. See, what... Okay. As much shit as you want to give this movie, you can't ignore the attention to detail. I know. Because they're like, oh, these little space parasite things always get up by the landing gear. Right. That has nothing to do with anything else in the movie. They could have just shown Cornelius walking up, like, above one of the wheels <laughs> and getting on. But instead, right. they gave this whole story to something that probably never would have gotten the story. That's true. So that was kind of nifty, and it took, right. like, 30 seconds for them to do. Right. But, yeah. So... 
basically, as the ship is taking off. So is Ruby Red and the Stortus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And on top of that, they've got, oh, what's his name? Is, is it Corbin or is that his last name? Corbin. But Corbin Dallas. Corbin. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Um, but anyway, they got Corbin Dallas and they've got Lilu sealed up in like this coffin looking thing. That would not, no, I wouldn't be able to do it. Which I don't know how Mila did it because I read that she's like claustrophobic. That would make me like freak out. Yeah, I. Mm-mm. But anyway, first off, I'm fat as hell. I ain't fitting in that box. <laughs> That's yeah. just not going to happen. Yeah, same. Um, but no, like they put them and they basically push a button and it makes them sleep because I guess they have to go like hyper sleep or something. Hyper sleep. One of those sci-fi terms that yeah, you hate. <laughs> I don't know. But then they have to go because I guess they have to go like supersonic or something like that to get to this other planet. Yeah, so. something like that. Which I would think if they put you in hypersleep, like, that would really matter. Like, I'm pretty sure you would, like, blow up into, you know. A billion little particles. Yeah. If yeah. you're going that fast, you're probably yeah. going to blow up. And see, I, you know, initially I wasn't fully aware of what Lilu was aware of. But then you see, like, he's, you know, I'm going to protect you. And she's like, no, I'm Sabrina being I protect you. Right. So that's like, okay, she knows exactly what she has to do, what she's supposed to be doing, all of that stuff. Right. So then it flashes back to Gary Oldman having Zorg, having to break the news to the glowy ball of death that he doesn't have the stones. Yeah. And that his man basically couldn't get on the plane. And the glowy ball of death basically makes... Gives him some kind of hemorrhage. Yeah, that part kind of confused me. Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Glowy it, ball of death can kill people for miles away. Yeah. And I love the fact that for the phone call, mm-hmm. they're, okay, it keeps flashing back and forth. The glowy ball of death is being monitored by the president and his generals, right? Right. right. So they're like, wait, it's opening. And it's like connecting to the radio waves. Well, why would it do that? Maybe he's going to make a phone call. And then that's exactly what he was doing. <laughs> Forgot about that. So, and you find out the glowy ball of death is named Mr. Shadow. Oh. Yes. See, so, that went over my head. I won't even, like, lie. Yeah. And see, what I actually wrote down in the notes is evil Mr. Shadow, glowy ball of death has cell reception. Oh. Which is better than my cell reception. Thank you, Sprint. Nice. Anyway, I guess they're not going to be one of our uh, sponsors. <laughs> they're probably not going to be one of our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, let's take a quick timeout, guys. We'll be right back. Okay. So where we left off was this is kind of where we're breaking into the second act of the movie. Yeah. So we're all there, Ruby guys. He, all he wants to do is make a living. He just wants to make a radio show. And then you right. get Corbin Dallas, who gives one word answers, flat deadpan, nothing. So wait, he wants to do a radio show, so... He's it, supposed to be like the radio guy. But if you think about it, he's really doing a podcast. He is. He is. Yes, because at this point, they don't realize radio's dead. Yes. Yay! Okay. Because, you know, video killed the radio star. I'm just saying. <laughs> and the internet killed just about everything else. That's true. Uh, okay, so this is where I'm... They're getting ready. Everyone's going to the concert. Yeah. Uh, what are they? I can't remember what they call it. It's like Pavola Laguna or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but she's supposed to be this super awesome I think they just call her like singer. the diva or something like that. Yeah, so they, they do. That's really what they call her throughout the majority of the film. Right. So this is where it really hits me that everybody in the crowd, as Ruby Red's walking through, going to their seats, it looks like the Capitol in the Hunger Games. It does. Like, you've got a dude with platinum white hair and a lace crop, crop top. Right. 
give me a break. You've got like the big hair. You've yeah. got the crazy makeup and the crazy costumes. This is where the field, the costume department probably had like the most fun of their life. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and he's like talking about this character and he's talking about that character and he's basically dissing everybody on his radio show as they're walking down. Right. And then the blue alien got on stage. Which, I mean, again, like you said, it's almost like that face off type yeah. show and stuff like that. But then she starts singing. I was like, oh, this is actually really nice. Yeah. And see, that's the one of the things this scene made the movie for so many people. Well, because it was just such a really awesome sequence, and the song was actually good. Right. And it was something you didn't expect because it was opera. Well, and I actually have this uh, from IMDb. The wonder on Bruce Willis's face when the diva sings is real. Um, that was the first yep. time he'd heard it and seen the actress in full makeup. That's just so cool. Because they would do close-ups here and, you know. Yeah, and you could see his face, like, change. Right. I thought that was really cool. And that reminds me, there was a scene on one of the seasons of, I think, America's Got Talent, Mm -hmm. where that is almost, okay, that's what this scene flashes me back to. Oh, okay. The goth kid. Do you remember that? I I don't really watch that show, though. This kid came out full goth. I'm talking contacts, makeup. Black clothes, black hair. He's like, I've never sung to anybody before. And then they give him the stage, and he kills it. Oh, he wow. kills it, and they send him through, and he's singing opera. Oh, wow. It was something completely unexpected, but in the most beautiful way. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's what this scene really reminds me of, because they take this real opera song, and then they take it and are kind of like, you know, we're going to make you sound like we'll put you in a sound mixer. Right. And it still came out really good. Yeah. And something I looked up, I was curious. Uh-huh. Because this movie is kind of a cult classic at this point. Uh-huh. And since that song was such a big thing for me, I looked it up on YouTube. Okay. There are countless videos of people who have covered this song. Really? It's uh, Yes. It's got, uh, let's see, one of them has over 2 million views. Wow. Yeah. And it's not just chicks. Guys have covered it too. Right. So because that's such kind of like that pivotal point in the movie where everything starts really happening really quickly. Right. I think that's, you know, we need to give it a couple extra minutes. Yeah, that's true. Um, Let's see. Oh, and then, of course, during that entire you know, sequence, they kind of montage it out where Lilu's kicking some ass. I actually, I have another uh, thing or whatever. What's that? Yeah. Okay, so the uh, there's an actress that plays Diva that goes out on stage, but mm-hmm. um, there's a woman who dubs the voice of the Diva. That's okay? kind of a given. So uh, when the composer... I was hoping it would be the same person. I know, I was too. So, but when the composer showed soprano Inva Mula, who she's the one who uh, dubs the voice, okay. the sheet music for the diva dance, she reportedly smiled and relayed to him that some of the notes written were not humanly possible to achieve because the human voice cannot change notes that fast. Um, huh. Hence, she performed the notes in isolation, one by one, as opposed to consecutively singing them all together. And then they digitized the notes to fit the music. Um, there are a few moments when you can hear the differences in the vocal tones of the diva's voice. That I believe. Yeah. I'm going to have to go watch some of the covers because I just looked yeah. up to see if anybody had covered it and I scrolled and there's just hundreds. Right. There, Well, probably not hundreds, but there's a lot. Yeah. Um, But I didn't realize that. And if they're covering it note for note. Right. 
that whole, that's not humanly possible. No, bitch, you just want an easy paycheck. (laughs) But she's fantastic no matter how they did it. Yep. Um, So it ends up, Lilu kicks ass. She ends up getting shot. She's up in the ceiling and she gets shot. Right. Uh, we drop back down to Bruce Willis's character. Mm-hmm. We've got the bulldog-looking aliens back again because they want the stones, too. Right. These magic rocks. So we, this whole movie is a glowy ball <laughs> of death versus magic rocks. <laughs> yeah. That just kind of occurred to me. Anyway. Right. Uh, they come in. They shoot the diva because she's up on stage. And then they start kind of spraying bullets everywhere. Oh, yeah. I was kind of bummed, by the way, that she died. I know, right? Like. And they gave her this, like, con- computerized almost right voice like maybe she had more than one vocal cord maybe that's why the alien could make the notes that she made on the song maybe because she had two sets of vocal cords that would be kind of cool right uh so she basically tells corbin the stones are in me uh you have to protect her she needs your love because yeah. he's talking about lilu because he loves her <laughs> after two days but sure yeah he's he yeah. loves her he loves her after hanging out for two days yeah uh weirder things have happened so, she, when she says the stones are in me, mm-hmm. she wasn't kidding. Yeah. No, they're literally in her. Inside, yeah. So, he's, like, digging these stones, which, by the way, that's kind of messed up. It is. Like, you're digging <laughs> the magic rocks out of a carcass. I know. Like, that's not cool. It's like it's an alien carcass, but it's still gross. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's almost as bad as when, like... Hans cuts open the critter and shoves Luke inside oh, yeah, to stay true. warm. Like, at least then <laughs> there's, like, a purpose. Right. But, no, he's just digging around in her insides. Yeah. It's like playing that game in Saw. <laughs> Where's the key? <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, but he, he gets the stones, and he goes to get Lilu, finds out. But before he gets to her, basically, we find out Ruby is still broadcasting because the president is looking at the general like, this is your idea of discreet. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And this is where Ruby kind of becomes Corbin's sidekick. Right. One of his sidekicks. He's like the most annoying sidekick ever. I know. His... Okay, let's be real. Chris Tucker's got some range. He does. I can't hit the notes he was hitting with his screaming. No. So, then of course... Bruce Willis does what Bruce Willis does best. Kicks ass. He's blowing shit up. He's just killing aliens left and right. His negotiating skills, a little rusty. Yeah. But effective. Um, And I love this scene. This is where the movie just gets fun. The scene where he's, like, trying to motion Chris Tucker to scoot over. And then he, like, hits the catapult and it flies the alien through the floor. Right. And then Chris Tucker's, like... A ruby rod excuse me he's like trying to push his head to get him back down through the floor and then what it jumps to um he's trying to get the actor to like throw him a gun yeah and the and this is the same like white hair lace right. crop top he like <laughs> rolls him two pole balls and he's like you're yeah. welcome waving I, like an idiot yeah it's like yeah thanks for nothing yeah um we've gotten to the explosive the explosion right uh which one there was a couple okay so the one um the one, like, in the hotel or whatever. Yes. Okay. So, at the time... It Wait, was... the bomb or the grenade launcher? I think it was the grenade launcher. Um, Here, you read and tell me, and I'll tell you okay. if we're there yet. At the time, it was the most expensive film ever produced outside of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in oh, France, wait. actually. Hold on. I think is where they made it. I'm a little lost. Oh, wait, That's no. okay. Okay, so the explosion in the uh, Flowston Main Hall. Yeah. Okay. That's the grenade launcher. Okay, yeah. so that was the largest indoor explosion ever filmed. Mm-hmm. Um, the resulting fire almost went beyond control. It took 25 minutes to put out. 
Holy. So they almost killed everyone. Yeah. Movie's over, franchise dead, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, this wasn't a franchise. It was a one and done deal. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> I know. I just like giving it shit. Okay. So they pick up Lilu and then they pull a Scooby Doo at the elevator because yeah. Gary Oldman is back because he's basically been told, you're getting the stones or you're dying. Right. So Corbin and Cornelius and Lilu go into one elevator, and as that door closes, the one next opens, and out comes Gary Oldman. Here's Zorg with a big-ass gun. Right. And so, because they only have, they've got, like, less than a minute to get out of there before it explodes. It explodes, because he left a bomb. Because when he shot Lilu, he took what he thought was the case of stones. Right. And I love the scene where he gets to the ship, and he opens it, and he laughs kind of hysterically, and then Mm -hmm. he's like, they're not here. Yeah. (laughs) And you realize it is hysterical, because he's about to die, and he knows it. Right. So he gets to the suite and he gets to the bomb and he turns off the bomb. Yeah. And then you find out the bullfrog aliens that everyone thinks are just stupid aliens. Yep. Not so stupid. They put a bomb in there too. Yep. And they blow up everything. So bye-bye Zorg. Bye-bye Zorg. Bye-bye aliens. Bye-bye everybody. This kills off all the big bad guys. Yep. Except for the glowy ball of death. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so in the process of getting to the temple, you find out Lilu has been looking stuff up on the internet. About Thank war. Thank you, internet. Yeah. Well, this is where she looks up war. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And, of course, because she's the perfect supreme being, now she's learning about war. Now it's, like, affecting her. She's sad. Right. She's hurt. And then they arrive at the temple. Lilu's out of it because she's been shot. And they're trying to figure out how to activate the stones. Which is, she's like, a supreme being. I would think being shot wouldn't really do much. It's Hollywood. I know. She's only invincible until they need her to not be invincible. Mm, that's true. So they're running around like crazy. They put the stones on the pedestals, and now they're just kind of waiting. They don't know what to do. Yeah, they're And confused. then uh, the young monk is like, we're all going to die. And he does this sigh yeah. on the windstone, and it clicks. They realize that's how you activate yeah, everything. because it's, it's all the elements. So they exactly. each have an element. And so at that point, like uh, you said, so that— Cornelius— Basically wipes the sweat off his face. because right. He's got water, so yeah. he basically drains it onto there. So that works. Yeah. Um, Corbin has... Uh, earth. He, he's the, got earth. Yeah, so he puts, like, some of the dust on top and right. it opens that one. And then you find out magic stones, actually magic. And they did it, like, they made them really pretty. Well... Did you notice that? Like, yeah. It looked like a sparkler type thing. Right. And then, of course, we get to fire. And who has fire? Bruce Willis. No. What's his name? Oh! Not who activated. It's uh, Chris Tucker. It's yeah, Ruby Chris Brown. Chris Tucker. So, of course, he's freaking out because he doesn't have a way to make fire. Yeah. And so that's whenever Bruce Willis has a single match left because mm-hmm. he had been trying to quit smoking, where I think he could only have, like, four cigarettes a day and the filters are like six inches long (laughs) exactly before we get into that i do have to say this i love the fact that like ruby red shows two hours long and at the end of two hours he actually signs off yeah and he's like now for the news and then as soon as he signs off that was the best show i've ever made yeah exactly (laughs) so okay Anyway, he is able to say, you know, Bruce Willis is, of course, able to save the day mm-hmm. because he's got that single match. So he lights it, puts it on the stone, and then 
Boom. Boom. All the stones are activated. Yep. They're all these, they're pretty glowy stones they of are. life yes. instead of the glowy ball of death. And I got Mila, you know, in the middle there. Right. Almost and like a sacrifice, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, she's going on and on. Why would I save you? Look what you do with it. But then love saves the day because yeah. Ruth Willis is in love with her. Yes. Which, I'm sorry, I'm not picking you up while these stones are activated. I'm going to, like, leave you there. And right. then I'll pick you up after the stones do their Just thing. so that I don't get vaporized, Yeah, too. exactly. Because that's probably what would have happened. I'm just So, saying. they did it. I liked how they did the whole act, you know, the fifth element. Like, every all the magic right. stones shoot their energy to the middle. She shoots it up into space, and she kills the glowy ball of death. Yay! And something I want to point out to you guys... They said that the dark planet died 62 miles before impact. Right. I'm going to hop on that in a minute. But basically, uh, Bruce Willis, so Corbin and Lilu get a happy ending uh-huh. and then live happily ever after. <laughs> well, yeah, they basically bang, you know. they In the fly, thermos thing. Yeah, and like the pod looking thing, whatever the hell that thing is. Yeah. Yay. Yay. So one of the things I want to talk about is... They mentioned 62 miles from impact. So I got curious. Okay. And I Googled because that's what I do. (laughs) Yes. So 62 miles is the very edge of the Earth's atmosphere. Oh, wow. So then I got curious because if you're thinking about it, this thing is hurtling towards the planet and suddenly it just stops. Yeah. So all the energy that's coming behind it, you know, like if you're walking and someone's walking right behind you and you stop and then they stop, it kind of pushes you forward because that energy is still there, right? Yeah. So what would actually happen if all of a sudden it goes from being, you know, 100,000 miles quick to just nothing? Yeah. Like, would it affect Earth's gravity? Probably. I couldn't really get a clear answer. <laughs> I assume it would somehow. Yeah. But I actually looked up on Google. I got as close as I could. Comets are what fly through the universe. Right. So they either crash into Earth and with extinction-level events if they're that size, because they said it was like 1,200 meters in diameter. Mm-hmm. Or the more common thing is they fly by the Earth and the smaller pieces break off. That's where you get, like, meteor showers from, right, because they're right. burning up across the Earth's atmosphere. So that's my Google on comets and whether or not we would die. Yeah. So I do want to post one hypothetical question. Okay. What do you think would happen... If something that size stopped right at the top of the Earth's atmosphere, what do you think it would do to, like, the plan- like would the sonic wave of it just die in the top of the atmosphere before we see it? Or do you think it would be almost like a reverse of when a nuke goes off on the ground, so we're getting all that energy from the outside instead of it going to the... Oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think would happen if something that size flying towards the Earth suddenly stopped right before our atmosphere? I think the second option. I think the nuke thing. Like the reverse nuke? Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. I have a feeling that really the Earth would not have been saved. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, we come across with, oh, you know, they had a happy ending. But in reality, I still think Earth would have been screwed. Right. Um, Because I'm thinking, like, if it was over an ocean. Now you've got this massive tidal wave. Right. You've got like all this damage to the ocean floor. Right. All of those things. So yeah, I still think we would have been screwed. You think we still would have been screwed? Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure you're right. But <laughs> I'm kind of curious though, like what our listeners think though. Let you know, contact us at our email at um uh breakdown from the couch at gmail.com. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. So post your post your responses there. Let us know what you think. And if you are a scientist. Yeah. And you know what would happen. Yeah, please. Drop the knowledge because I would yeah. love to know. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. Uh, before we move on, let's go ahead and give our ratings. How many glowy balls of death would you give this movie? Uh, I'll give it a two. A two? I mean, I thought that all of like the special effects were cool. It looks right. like they were even nominated for some stuff. Um, they had to have been. Oh, yeah. In uh, 98, they were nominated for best effects, sound effects, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Costume, I'm sure. BAFTA, they won for uh, best special effects. Mm-hmm. Best cons, whatever the hell the 2020 awards are. Um, <laughs> they won for best costume design. Um, mm-hmm. You know, stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, I give them, you know, give them props for that. Like I said, man, this the story and stuff just goes way over my head most of the time. And that's totally fine. Not everyone's yeah. smart enough to catch sci-fi. I know, right? No. <laughs> That's true. I'm not. That's okay. Okay. So this did, you know me, I never look at Rotten Tomatoes, even if I've already seen the movie, (laughs) until after we watch the movie. So this has, to this day, a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Those people are wrong. Well, (laughs) I actually, I would give this movie, I would give it three glowy balls of death. Okay. And I do that because I used to love, this was like... A quintessential film for my sci-fi development. Okay. 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 So, and it came out when we were 12. It was the coolest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) But re-watching it as an adult, it did lose some of the magic. Right. So I will still give it a solid three glowy balls of death. Yeah. Now, something I found interesting is they made this movie for $90 You had mentioned it was one of the most expensive movies ever made outside the United States. Right. I believe they filmed it in France, maybe? Oh, I, um, I can't remember exactly. I know that when I looked on Wikipedia, they talked a lot about French. Right. Uh, now, when it was released, this movie pulled in $263.9 million. Wow. So it did very well. Not everybody is of the same mindset as you are. I know. I so, know. Uh, and going over some of the actors, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis was famous before. He's still famous now. Oh, of course. I mean. You, Forever. You're never going to, like, not be famous, Bruce Willis. Right. Just. Roll with it. Uh, Mia Jovovich. Jovovich. Okay. Tons of action movies. She's more famous now. I read that before, right. before she did this movie, she was in um, Dazed and Confused. And I guess they had actually cut quite a bit of her part. Um, right. Dazed and Confused with Matthew McConaughey, mm-hmm. a bunch of other actors. Um, she needs to, she's most notably known now yeah. by Resident, the Resident oh, Evil franchise. Because she's... She, they can't make one without her at well, this point. What's funny though is after she had all the a lot of her part cut out uh, mm-hmm. from Dazed and Confused, she stopped acting for three years, and this was the movie that she started again with. Is justly deserved. I yeah. mean, she knocks it out. Like the next Expendables movie, if she's not in it, I'm not going. Oh really? Yeah, <laughs> that's how. Because I looked her up on IMDb and I of you know all filmography, yeah. and it's just action movie after action movie. There's a couple like little things here and there that aren't action films, right? But that's almost entirely what she's made her career off of. Yeah. So you know, I gotta give her props because yeah. I am not nearly as active, but I wish I was. Right. <laughs> um. The next one up, Chris Tucker. He was. This film was made in 97. He was huge. Oh, yeah. Rush in 97. Hour. Not just Rush Hour. House Party. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I mean, he he just had, from 97 to 01, he was not only consistently working, but 97 was his heyday. Yeah. He just had a lot of stuff going. Now, after that, it was less consistent. His film projects started spacing out. So, mm-hmm. like, he did a film in 2001, then not again till 2005, then not again 2007, right. and then it was 12 and 16. Wow. He just kind of spaced him out. Yeah. And... But what he has been doing, he's been incredibly active in the stand-up comedy circles. Right. So I'm betting he wasn't just sitting on his ass. Oh, he no. was probably, no. he was, uh, he had a couple of specials in that time. Right. And he was just really active. He's very, I think he's buddy buddies with Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm sure. So um, he's, and he's got tons. Like oh, he yeah. does more appearances as himself than he has films. Ian Holm. This was pre-Frodo for him. Oh, nice. He played old Frodo in Lord of the Rings and then again in the Hobbit trilogy. Right. Which is what I know him for. Yeah. But he's... <laughs> dude doesn't sit around. He has done 141 film projects wow. over the course of his career. It's almost like he does porn. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, born in 31, he's had time to accrue everything, and he's oh, done okay. films. That makes more sense. Um, he's done a little bit of television. He's done some voiceovers right. in uh, both in animation and video games. Like, this is one of those people that can't sit still. Yeah. And then Gary Oldman, oh, projects yeah. big and small. I know him best from the Harry Potter and the Black Knight fr- uh, franchises, because he was serious black, of course, in Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Um, and then The Young Monk. I still don't know what his name was, but the actor's <laughs> name was Charlie Creed Miles, and dude has done tons of television. Really? So that's why he looked familiar when I rewatched oh, it. Oh, okay, okay. Because he's he's basically done a guest spot in every TV show that I watch. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, and those are really the only guys I focused on, because everybody else were smaller character actors I've seen here and there. Right. I actually have interesting um, some interesting information about Luke Besson, the uh, director. Yeah, yeah, bring it. Okay, so in 93, mm-hmm. he was married to the actress who played the diva, okay? Really? So not, of course, the woman that was singing, but... But that, the, the, car- the lady right. who played the alien. So this movie came out in 97. Uh-huh. So he was married to her in 93. In 97, he married Mila Jovovich. And they were married from, like, 97 uh, until, I'm going to say, like, 2001. Really? Yeah. So, I know she... I follow her on Instagram. Yeah. Because I've just been a fan of hers, because she's gorgeous. Oh, no, they got divorced in 2000. So, their marriage only lasted, like, three years. Okay. So, that kind of answers my question. She's got two or three kids now, and her daughter, Mm -hmm. spitting image of her. Really? They're just... She's got a gorgeous family. I'm jealous of this woman a little bit. Yeah. But she has kids with uh, Paul W.S. Anderson, who's also like another, I think, director. And well, she's got a type at least. Yeah. (laughs) He does, I think, like a lot of like weird type movies. Yeah. Um, So uh, it kind of makes you wonder. Yeah. It makes me kind of wonder. I mean, was he divorced from that first lady? And then. Oh, you and your tabloid mind. I know. To answer your question, if you think they had an affair, probably. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Don't sue us. Don't sue us. Yeah. We're just speculating. Yes. Okay. So that is, that's my breakdown. That's all I got for today. Exactly. Perfect. Okay. So guys, join us next week. We are, what are we watching? The original. Yes. Amityville Horror. The film made, I think it was 1979. Right. And join us then. Keep an eye on our Facebook and our Twitter. Yep. And please write and review on uh, iTunes. 
Yeah, that too. And guys, leave suggestions. Exactly. We have most of our movies for most of the season planned already, but next season is a whole nother set. So give us some ideas. Let us know what you think. Yep. All right, guys. This has been Nikki. And this is Laura. And we are the ladies, hostess with the mostest for Breakdown from the Couch. Yep. Bye, guys. Bye.